Welcome to Oncopharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. A funny thing happened. This is the first week of November and uh, something that uh, kind of slipped through, but uh, this past week, I forgot, is the two-year anniversary of Oncopharm. I've been doing this for two years, uh, a lot of good feedback, so thank you for uh, for listening and for, for downloading. Uh, as I alluded to in last week's episode about carboplatin, um, I talked a little bit about um, the uh, it's it's a medic risk, moderate versus high risk. So we're going to get into that. So today we're going to talk about the use of neurokinin one antagonists, such as a preptent, uh, to prevent chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting in carboplatin with doses above AUC uh, equal to or greater than four. So if we go to the 2017 ASCO anti-medic guidelines, and this was an update to some earlier guidelines, but the most recent guidelines we have for anti-medics from ASCO. And the reason I'm, I'm using the ASCO guidelines is uh, it's the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and I'm in the United States of America. Uh, this is what I use, and in training, I was always told this is uh, the evidence-based guideline, whereas the NCCN guidelines are a mixture of evidence and consensus, i.e. opinion. So want to talk about the ASCO guidelines, which I have some familiarity with. Uh, so what the ASCO guidelines say from 2017 is to add a neurokinin-1 antagonist to carboplatin if the AUC is greater than or equal to 4. Now, they do clearly say that carboplatin is a metagenic, um, and this is based off of uh, two studies, and we'll go into those studies in some depth in a little bit, but uh, if you look at the table in there for MEC, MEC, moderately metagenic chemo, this is what the guidelines say. A 5-HT3 antagonist on day one, doesn't matter which one you use, and then dexamethasone on day one, and then there's like an asterisk, and it says dexamethasone on days two to three if delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea vomit is expected. And there's another asterisk on that, and it says that the agents known to have delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea vomit are cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, and oxaliplatin. And of course, we know that cisplatin has that same risk as well, but that's in the high-risk category. So the guidelines say cisplatin, of course, high-risk for both acute and delayed, and that oxaliplatin can cause delayed, but doesn't mention that carbo can cause delayed nausea and vomiting, which is a little odd. Why would that platinum not when all the when the other two do? Uh, so the guidelines are very clearly state that if you use carboplatin, AUC of four or more, you add a neurokinin one antagonist, and that you give dex on day one only, 20 milligrams of dex if you're using relapitant, no drug interaction there, or 12 milligrams of either apreptant, phosapreptant, or natupitant if you're using that. That's the dex dose because of that three or four inhibition. So what I want to do now, uh, so that's that's what the guidelines say. Uh, car- high dose carboplatin, kind of standard every three week dose carboplatin, you should use a neurokinin one antagonist with dex just on day one. So what I want to do is go back to um, an earlier study. This is published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2000. So I'm going back uh, 19 years, uh, May 25th of 2000. It's going to be hard if you're looking for the primary author of this study because there is no primary author listed. The authors are the Italian group for anti-medic research. So they all share their credit. Their names are listed in here, but uh, it's a really nice, really nice article. So um, this is about 600 patients receiving moderately metagenic chemo. Uh, about 50% of them received cyclophosphamide, 40% received anthracycline, and of that 40%, half received doxorubicin, and half received epirubicin, and only 6% received carboplatin. And interestingly, it was 300 milligrams per meter squared or more, which is roughly equivalent to carboplatin AUC5. Now, the way this study was designed, uh, the same group had done prior research, 
published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 95, this Italian group for anti-medic research looking at basically the synergistic effect of DEX and on danzatron or, or granisotron, so DEX plus a 5-HC3 antagonist is better than either one alone for acute nausea and vomiting. So this is now looking at delayed. So the way they, they designed this study is patients who had acute chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting um, were randomized to DEX plus on danzatron or just DEX alone. Uh, and sort of as a victim of their own success, there were very few patients who had significant acute chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. So that, what they called the high-risk group for delayed, people who had acute, there were fewer than 100 patients and was really underpowered for any analysis. So I won't talk about that. What I do want to talk about is the low-risk group for delayed nausea and vomiting. So these were people who didn't have acute chemotherapy, nausea and vomiting. So you end up with about 500 patients randomized to either placebo to dexamethasone alone, 4 milligrams BID of dex, or dex plus on danzatron, 8 BID. So this was the, the endpoint here, quote, complete protection, which is a little different endpoint than what we see now in our CINV literature, um, but this is what was in vogue at the time. So complete protection is defined as no episodes of emesis or retching, and then no moderate to severe nausea. So you could have mild nausea, and that would still be considered complete protection. And, of course, is it mild, moderate, severe nausea is somewhat subjective, which is why we moved away from that subjective, as we'll see in some of these other studies. So here are the rates for complete protection. So the higher the number, the better. So placebo group, 76.5% complete protection. The dexamethasone alone group, 87.4% complete protection. That is statistically significant. That's an absolute improvement of almost 11 percentage points. And then DEX plus on Danzatron, 91.8%. That's a difference of about 15% versus placebo. And there was no statistical, no statistically significant difference between DEX plus on Danzatron or DEX alone, which is why in the, the, uh, the ASCO guidelines you'll see that 5-HT3 antagonists are recommended for day one and not days two and three. Um, my guess is if you did a much, much bigger study, you would be able to see a, a small benefit of using 5-HT3 antagonists beyond day one if you give chemo just on day one. So what this established is dexamethasone by itself is a great drug to prevent delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting in patients receiving mostly anthracyclines and cyclophosphamide, but also some of these patients did receive carboplatin. Okay, so that's the background. I've talked about the guidelines, and this, these guidelines that were updated in 2017 um, added neurokinin-1 antagonist as a recommendation for the standard every three-week dose of carboplatin, AUC 5-6, or anything AUC of four or more. And this is based off of two studies, references number 17 and 45. So let's look at the evidence that led to the change in the guidelines. So reference 17 is by Hesketh et al., published in Cancer 2016. And if you look at the guidelines, you may recognize this name Hesketh. Uh, I think it's P.J. Hesketh. Uh, but this individual is also the first author on the ASCO guidelines. Uh, on the guideline statement, there's no, um, no relevant conflict of interest disclosure. However, in the publication of this paper in Cancer 2007, 2016, Hesketh did receive unpaid consulting fees from the company uh, and then coincidentally was also first author on the study. And even though there may not have been a financial benefit because it was unpaid consulting, you know, your first author on a primary paper, that's, that's good for your career probably. Um, and this paper also had an employee of the drug company who was also uh, one of the co-authors. 
But essentially what they did here, this was a subgroup analysis of a larger CINV study looking specifically at patients who received carboplatin AUC4 and up. So about 400 patients randomized to two arms, uh, either uh, a neurokinin one arm or not. So the, the neurokinin one arm was relapitant, 180 milligrams on day one with its seven day half-life, uh, granisetron two milligrams on day one and dex 20 milligrams on day one compared to placebo or granisetron day one, dex 20 milligrams on day one. So there was no dex on days two and three uh, in the control arm. What this means is the control arm uh, is, a, is a, I think, a perfectly valid control arm. That's what the guidelines would have recommended to prevent acute chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. But if you say carboplatin could have delayed, there's nothing to prevent delayed nausea and vomiting in the control arm. So let's look and what happened? Let's look at the results here. So the primary endpoint here is complete response, and this is objective. This is a combination of no emesis, which you can measure, and no use of rescue medication. So this is a little bit more objective. If a patient's having moderate uh, or worse nausea, they're probably going to take something as a rescue medication for breakthrough emesis. Okay. So uh, the complete response overall was 80.2% in the relapitant arm compared to 64.6%, almost a difference of 15% more than that, and that is statistically significant. Complete response overall is a combination of complete response in the acute setting and complete response in the delayed setting. So if we look at that, complete response in the acute setting, 91.7 versus 88%, not significant, perhaps not surprising. Uh, but there was a difference in the overall complete response, which means that difference must come in the delayed setting. So if we look at the rates of the complete response for delayed CINV, 82.3% with the relapitant arm compared to 65.6% in the delay in the in the control group. Um, so a difference about 15%, and that is statistically significant. So the only benefit of adding the neurokinin one antagonist was in the delayed setting. Um, so, obviously, carboplatin has some delayed nausea and vomiting because there was more of it in the folks who did not receive any drugs to prevent delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. And they control it. They only got DEX on day one as opposed to days two and three, which is what the ASCO guidelines themselves currently would recommend if you got oxaliplatin but not carboplatin. Uh, so there was not a proper control group in this study. Uh, a proper control group would have been granisetron on day one and then dex on days one, two, and three, which is what the guidelines would have said in the previous iteration of the guidelines for all moderately emetogenic chemo. Um, this was not mentioned in the guidelines as a limitation of the study, but it was cited and one was one of two studies cited to add uh, these expensive neurokinin one antagonists um, for all carboplatin doses given every three weeks. The second study cited Reference number 45 is Yahada and colleagues in the International Journal of Clinical Oncology, 2016. And these are in patients with gynecologic cancers receiving carboplatin, AUC5 or 6, and standard dose paclitaxel. Um, the primary endpoint of this study is the percentage of patients with hypersensitivity reactions to paclitaxel. The, the secondary, one of the secondary endpoints is chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. So one of the articles cited by the, by the anti-medic guidelines, did not even target CINV as their primary endpoint. Uh, there are only about 300 patients here. Uh, oh, let me back up. So the, the, the rationale for the percentage of hypersensitive reactions appears to be they gave 20 milligrams of DEX with a prepotent, well aware 
that there's an interaction. Basically, they're trying to give higher exposure of 20 milligram dexamethasone, more like equivalent of probably 32 milligrams of dexamethasone, to see if that decreased the incidence of hypersensitive reactions from paclitaxel in, uh, in, a, in a Japanese patient population. There was no difference in, in hypersensitive reaction rates between those who got a preptent or not, uh, which is not shocking. For the chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting secondary endpoint, patients were randomized to either a preptent, the standard 125-80-80 uh, tripack, granisetron or ondansetron on day one, and then dex 20 milligrams on day one. And yes, they were aware of the interaction with a preptent and dex. They mentioned that right there in their in their uh, in their paper. The control group very similar, granisetron ondansetron on day one, dexamethasone 20 milligrams on day one only, nothing on days two and three. So very similar, you see the overall complete response rate, 61.6% versus 47.3%, um, you know, same, about 15% absolute difference. Uh, that is statistically significant. The acute CIMV rates are not statistically significant, but the delayed CIMV rates are 63.6% with a preptent compared to 49.3%, just under a 15% absolute uh, magnitude of benefit, and that is statistically significant. So what we have here is guidelines change based on inferior control groups uh, saying that all these patients should receive 5-HT3 uh, antagonist on day one, a neurokinin 1 antagonist on day one, and then uh, DEX on day one only. And I think we don't know if that is better than the old standard, what people would have done before the, the neurokinin 1 antagonist, which would be... Uh, 5-HT3 antagonists on day one and DEX on days one, two, and three for these for these standard dose of carboplatin uh, regimens. Uh, the study's not done. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Uh, if someone sees it, let me know, and I'll do a whole podcast about uh, a fair control arm versus a fair experimental arm, but I, I have not seen this. And this has become kind of a problem with the CINV literature. If you go back to those palinositron studies, palinositron has like a 40-hour half-life, and the studies... <laughs> with palinositron are one dose on day one of palinositron versus one dose of ondansetron, which has a, a half-life that's like 25% of what palinositron is. So of course, it's, it's not a fair comparison. Um, and there's you know minimal benefit probably to continued 5-H3 antagonist use beyond that, um, but there likely is some. Uh, as I talked about, going back to that study from 2000 in the New England Journal of Medicine, if you do a large enough study, you probably would see some benefit of extended 5-HT3 antagonist use, although there's not much out there. So does that mean you should not use a neurokinin 1 antagonist with high-dose carboplatin or these standard-dose carboplatins given every three weeks? Well, not necessarily. I think it's fair to do if, if there are no drug interactions, and especially if patients are at high risk. Uh, you know, you might have a patient who, uh, who um, based on their chemotherapy regimen, is moderately emetogenic, but maybe they have a history of anxiety uh, or depression or really bad chemotherapy-induced nausea in the past, history of motion sickness. You might upgrade them, so to speak, to a highly emetogenic and then add a neurokinin 1 antagonist. Um, but what I think these studies probably uh, would be best described as are steroid sparing, the same way some of these new COPD drugs would describe their benefit as being steroid sparing. You get to use uh, less steroids. And I think there is value to that in oncology patients to, to only use dexamethasone on day one. Um, but I, I don't think we can say it's better than three days of dexamethasone. It certainly is more expensive, and I think that's something that we should keep in mind uh, with the rising cost of healthcare uh, in this country and beyond. So take home point, these are not great studies. They, they don't have great control arms, uh, but they are cited in the guidelines. Um, and unless you read the guidelines, 
and do more than that, actually read the citations in the guidelines, you would not necessarily know this uh, because these chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting studies uh, don't make big waves. They're not published, and, and you're hearing all this now, and I'm talking about this you know, two years after the fact that this was done. Um, so that's what I have to talk about today. Um, what I tell my students, if you want to be good students, read the guidelines. If you want to be great pharmacists, read the studies that they talk about in the guidelines, and that applies uh, to all of us. Thank you for listening once again to OncoFarm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetna. Follow the podcast at OncoFarmPod, both on Twitter and Instagram. Do the rate, review, liking, all that good stuff. Uh, if you have an idea for an episode, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, drop me a line if you have uh, ideas for future episodes, questions, concerns. You know where to find me. Uh, I'm on the interwebs. Uh, and once again, thank you for listening. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.